Well, good morning, everyone. We continue this morning. This is week number two in our sermon series that we have themed, Symptoms of a Healthy Heart. And uh, we are going to be spending uh, today and next Sunday and the Sunday after that, four weeks in all, walking through this, uh, this series of teachings. We last week talked about the fact that all of us, spiritually speaking, have got heart disease. We've got issues with our hearts and that God wants to give us a new heart. God wants to not only just redeem our hearts, but to take out our heart of stone and gives each of us a heart of flesh. Now, this morning I want to talk about this whole idea of having a heart for worship. We have just concluded worship this morning, and even this message is even a part of our worship as well. But before I continue with the teaching series, um, we're going to do a little activity. I want everybody to participate. You'll need a pen or a pencil, or you'll need to count on your fingers. And the reason I encourage you to participate is because I'm going to call on several of you by name and ask you what your score was at the end of the activity. Are you ready? Here's how it works. The activity goes like this. Every item you recognize, you recognize the item, you give yourself a point. If you don't recognize the item, no point. This is kind of an age barometer. Are you ready to go? Keep track of your score. Number one, blackjack chewing gum. Blackjack chewing gum. I'm getting a look of mystery on the faces of some. Number two, wax coked shaped bottles with colored sugar water. Three, candy cigarettes. Can I say that here in church? Number four, soda pop machines dispensing glass bottles. Number five, gun smoke. <laughs> somebody, somebody goes the real thing or? <laughs> Number six, home delivered milk in glass bottles. How you doing? Number seven, party lines. I'm not talking about Republicans or Democrats. Some of you know exactly what I'm referring to. Others are going, lines you draw at a party? I don't. Number eight, newsreels before the movie. Next, school desks with inkwells. Number 10, coonskin hats. Davy, Davy Crockett. Okay. There's some people singing with me and other people are. Right. Number 11, hula hoops. You finally got one, didn't you? Number 12, summer drinks out of the neighbor's garden hose. S&H green stamps. Looks of confusion on the faces of some. 45 RPM records. Metal ice trays with levers. <laughs> saw that, I think I saw that in an antique store once, right? Blue flash bulbs. 
You'll know what I'm referring to if you know what I'm referring to. How about this one? Topo Gijo on the Ed Sullivan Show. Topo Gijo on the Ed Sullivan Show. Number 18, roller skate keys. Number 19, cork pop guns. And the last one, Dizzy Dean. All right. Brittany Poe, senior in high school. Brittany, how what was your score? I'm sorry? I'm a, you're a junior. I, I'm, I apologize. You look, you look like a senior. Six. Six. She's just a pup. Dan Strom. Eight. You barely beat Brittany. Marlene. 20 out of 20. How many people had 20 out of 20? I want you to look around. All right. Very good. Uh, let, let me do this. How many, were, how many scored zero to five? Raise your hand. R raise your hands higher than that. <laughs> okay, put your hands down. Uh, how many scored six to ten? We're moving on in life. We picked up some young people. How many scored 11 to 15? About Almost a third of the congregation, you're getting older. How many scored 16 to 20? Raise your hands. Well over half the congregation, be careful when you light your candles on your birthday cake. Why would I do this activity? We are a church that is multi-generational. By the way, is there anybody in the room that didn't score any? Okay, I see you, sweetie pie. How, how old are you? You're nine years old? One day you're going to join this club? <laughs> you know what? We're a multi-generational church. Now, that poses some challenges. A lot of churches who have multi-generations like this are saying, you know what? This thing's not going to work. This thing's not going to work. How, how do you put together a worship service? How does uh, Bethany and, and Donna and Jim and the rest of the... Uh, uh, Barb Geiger, how do, they, how do they put together a worship service? How does this thing work? Because you got people going, you know what? I don't want to sing that hymn. That hymn's stupid. That hymn's boring. I don't want to. And other people are going, you know what? These choruses are goofy. I don't want to do that. You know what? There is, there is strength in the fact that we are multi generational. That is a positive. Because you know what it forces us to do? Everybody gives a little bit. Everybody gives a little bit. That's how we learn to love each other. You see, because the whole issue of worship, as we're going to discover this morning, is an issue of the... It's not an issue of taste. It's not an issue of taste. It's not an issue of preference. It's an issue of the heart. Perhaps one of the greatest worshipers in all the Bible was a man by the name of David. You may have heard of him. David. And one of the things that we learn from the life of David is that... In fact, look at the next screen. Healthy heart equals healthy worship. You have a healthy heart, you will be able to worship well. And by the way, the converse is also true. Healthy worship will tend to lead to a healthy heart. Look at the scripture verses that I've, I've placed there on your note outline. 
Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Now notice it doesn't say he who never gets his hands dirty. You know, there's so much sickness at the school where I'm teaching. Judy and I are just kind of turning the corner on, the, on our latest bout. I'm, I'm washing my hands constantly because I want to have clean hands. Now, it's not that my hands don't have disease, don't get dirty, don't have germs. Having clean hands means you do something about the fact that they get dirty. God does not say, you've got to be a perfect person to be able to worship me. No, what God says is, you know what? You need to step into grace, confess your sins, come clean on this thing, and then you can worship properly. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Look at the next verse. Psalm 86, 12. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my what? See, it's an issue of the heart, not taste nor preference. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the New Testament. This morning, I'm going to pretty much camp on two passages. Usually I only do one, but this morning I'm going to kind of camp out on two. The first is found in Ephesians 5. This is the Apostle Paul territory. Listen to what he says. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or excess. Instead, be filled, controlled, remember, with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says. Speak to God, to one another with, watch the variety, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. I wonder if he's saying that in worship there's to be a variety of styles. Is that fair? Sing and make music how? In your heart. By the way, uh, in your heart is a preposition, the preposition, uh, prepositional phrase, the preposition in. What's the object of the preposition? Heart. Is that singular or plural? It's singular. Why doesn't he say, make music in your hearts? Because what he's saying is, the quality of our corporate worship is predicated on the quality of each of our private worship. Each of us is responsible when we come together corporately to be individual worshipers. I am to worship God right over here sitting, sitting next to my girlfriend. I'm supposed to worship with all of my heart. That my worship is doing this individually in the whole group. But at the same time, he goes, speak to one another in your worship. See, there's something about worship that also happens this way. I'm talking about corporate worship. There is something about ministering to one another as I worship the Lord this way, something is happening this way, collectively. And it all, it all stems from this issue of having a right heart. Rather than going, you know what, I don't like that worship team. You know what, I don't understand why they have drums on stage. You know what? I boy, these uh, that those those hymns just drag. You know what? That's just not only an issue of taste and preference. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. 
I need to realize, you know what? I am responsible for my own heart in corporate worship. Now, isn't it interesting that right after Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he talks about public worship. Here's what I'd like to suggest to you. When I am filled with the Holy Spirit, my heart response in worship is acceptable before the Lord. How about this? Look at the next one. One of the evidences of a person truly walking in the Spirit is a desire to gather with other believers in worship. You show me a person who claims to be a Christian but is not interested in coming to church and worship. I don't have to go to church to be, a, to, to be in, in relationship with God. That's true. But you're not walking in the Spirit. Because this, I'm not just talking about being a Christian. If I want to be a Spirit-filled believer, one of the evidences of that is a desire and willingness to do what we're doing this morning. You with me? That's what I, I gleaned from this. Now, let me suggest to you three principles, not only from this passage, but from another passage that we'll be considering this morning, because public worship is a heart response. This is going to be number one. Here we go. The Bible teaches that public worship services are primarily designed for believers. Now, I might get myself in hot water for saying this. You know what? This is my conviction. This is what I believe that God is telling us in the Bible. I believe, notice the adverb, primarily designed for believers. Not every church holds to this. Not every Christian holds to this. I do because I think this is what the Bible teaches. Psalm 111.1, praise the Lord, I will extol the Lord with all my heart, where? In the council of the upright and in the assembly. What he's saying is, as a spirit-filled, spirit-guided believer, I want to get together with God's people, like we are this morning, and worship him collectively. That's what the psalmist is saying. Psalm 149.1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise where? In the assembly of the saints. One of the concerns, and I've, I've kind of been around the barn. I've been on staff in a number of different churches. I've spoken in a lot of churches all over the world. One of my concerns for the church in America, hear me well, they believe they need to cater their worship service to the unbeliever. Now, I'm not casting dispersion on churches who choose that particular model. They need to do what God's leading them to do. My position, and what I believe the scripture position is, that is not the primary responsibility of a worship service on Sunday morning. Primary responsibility of a worship service on Sunday morning is the gathering of God's people for public worship. I believe that that's what the scripture teaches. It's primarily for them. Now, that's not to say that unbelievers aren't welcome. 
We probably have unbelievers this morning, and we, you know what? You are more than welcome to attend. Now, please know the worship service isn't primarily for you. We love you. You're welcome. We're glad that you're here. And I believe that you can benefit, if you're not, a, not yet a Christian, you can benefit from this worship service. Watch this next. The Lord's priority for a local church is to lead God's people into God's presence. I believe biblically and theologically that's what the Scripture teaches. Now, here at Beulah, do we want to be relevant? The answer is yes. Do we want to be culturally sensitive? The answer is yes. Is the form going to kind of look a little different than what it may have looked 25 years ago? Yes, the culture shifts. And so we want to be relevant. However, our target is not the non-Christian. Now, that said, I do believe that unbelievers who come to our services here can have huge benefit. There's huge benefit for them. A, if you want to jot this in your margin, an unbeliever can sense our love and devotion for one another. It says in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. By what? By your love for one another. See, they will not know that we're disciples because of the position we take on abortion. Now, we need to take a position on abortion, but that's not how people will know that we're Christians. They will know Christians, the, the, the earmark, the evidence of a person who's walking with Jesus as a non-Christian's watching them. I've got them watching me all the time at the school where I teach. They're watching me, and they want to see if I've got an attitude of love, particularly with other believers. Remember in the Bible it says, they remarked, wow, look how these people love each other. Look how these people love each other. There are people in this room who have stood with me when I've been broken and hurting and in tears. You want to know something? You're not going to find that at the corner bar. You're not going to find that at the, at the uh, Lions Club. So when an unbeliever comes into our midst, and, and, and if an, a non-Christian, uh, a not-yet-Christian, is in our services, hopefully they can look at us and say, and there's something different about these people. They really care about each other. They love each other. Yeah, they're hugging each other and talking and laughing. And man. Now, there's a second value. You're not on your note outline yet. That there's a second value to an unbeliever being here. And that's that I believe, you may disagree with this, I believe that an unbeliever can benefit from the word of God being preached. Did you hear what I said? Because in Romans 10, 17, some of you had it memorized, Romans 10, 17 says this, faith cometh by and hearing by, you know what? Hearing by the word of God. There, and, and churches where I've served, including this church, there have been people who have been saved in a morning worship service. Not that our desire 
was to cater the service for unbelievers. But as people have come, I've watched this happen. People have come week after week, month after month. They're not believers. They're just kind of trying to figure this thing out. They're investigating. And eventually what they'll say, and I've seen it time and time, they'll say, you know what? That made sense. That made sense. And they give their heart to Jesus. Again, not that we catered the service for them, but as they came, they watched, they listened, they end up placing their faith in Jesus. Because I believe if you preach the word, God honors that. Do you believe that? God honors his word. You preach the scripture. You don't stand up and, I mean, I, mean, I use illustrations. I did this little activity. We show a video from time. You know what? We're not up here telling funny stories. That may happen occasionally. But the Bible says you preach the word of God. And by the way, that's what this church is about. If you're looking for a church and you're visiting, this is a church where, A, we love each other because we're all different generations. How many have ever heard of soupy sales? Yeah, how many said, I have no idea what kind of soup that is? <laughs> you know what? We, we are people who are all these different generations, and we come together and we love each other and we take care of each other and we cry together and we laugh together. That's part of, that's part of what we do. And a non-Christian, can, they can smell that. They can, they can sniff that thing out. And by the way, I've gone into churches before where there's all kinds of going on. You can sniff that out too. And one of the blessings that Judy and I have found here, we have come here and we have seen people who love each other and who care and who are humble and willing to serve and who are doing their dead level best to put one foot in front of the other in the power of the Spirit and grow in Christ. I want to be a part of a family like that. See? I want to be a part of a family like that. All right. Number two on your note outline. This is getting back to Ephesians 5. Paul is saying worship is to be an internal attitude, not just an external activity. You see, one of the challenges that, that spirituality has, and it has since antiquity, if you're not careful, you can start going through the motions on this thing. That's what the Pharisees did. It wasn't that the Pharisees were not doing things properly. Remember the Pharisee and the, and the publican? He goes, you know what? I tithe, every, I tithe 10% of everything, including mint and cumin. I pray. I worship. I give to the Lord. I take care of, this, the, I take care of the poor and needy. What's his problem? He is doing everything correctly. And Jesus said, I've got one thing against you. What was it? You've got a heart problem. You got a heart problem. It's, a, it's not that you're missing, that, that, that the ex external activities aren't lining up. Pharisees would put you and me to shame by what they did. It's an internal attitude. See, it's an issue of the heart. Notice what Isaiah says in Isaiah 29 13. These people, and this is convicting, these people come near to me with their mouth. Honor me with their lips, look at the phrase, but their hearts are what? See, that's the tricky part. 
Because I can put a yardstick and a micrometer on actions. They're easy to evaluate. Judy and I, we put, an, uh, we put a, a check in the offering plate today. We were kind of murmuring up here when Don was standing up here, and, I, and Judy goes, I, we, let, let's, let's give something towards Spain. So we took out an envelope and put it. We put it a check. You know what? I, I can quantify that. What's, what it's difficult to quantify is this. And the trap you can fall into is I'm doing, I'm doing everything right, but my heart's not right. I'm bitter. I'm mad. I'm ticked off, depressed. I'm worried. See, those are heart issues. And the Lord basically is saying, it says, their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Now, how do you know if your heart is right? Let me ask you a few questions. Do I, and I don't do well on this either. Let's see how you do. Do I come to the Sunday service primarily to worship God or to listen to the speaker? Have you ever said, wow, we got to church late, but at least we got there in time for the... Do I view the music, the prayers, the offering as preliminary stuff before the teaching time? Or do I view worship as the most important activity that I can engage in on Sunday morning? That's convicting. Am I more concerned about whether the music and the song selection is to my taste or am I more concerned about whether my heart is right before the Lord? Do I concentrate on the words of the songs and allow them to lead me into the presence of the Lord? Or do I become distracted by watching the singers, instrumentalists, and those around me? That's hard. That's tough. And that's why I've got to constantly self-evaluate. Lord, deliver me from just going through the motions. May my heart be right. Help me to have a discipline. It's one of the reasons Judy and I sit up front. My concern is if I sit someplace else, I'm not criticizing you because there's not enough front seat. I mean... (laughs) The upholstery looks amazingly new on these pews down here. <laughs> my concern is, is that my, my ADD is going to kick in. And you know what I'm going to end up doing? Because I've got this amazing ability to listen to Pastor Joel preach, check my email, and text a friend all at the same time. I got real quiet. <laughs> you know, that, that just... I need to constantly self-evaluate, which is why David said, Lord, God, walk the hallways of my heart. Walk the corridors of my heart and make sure that I'm not self-deceiving. 
Because when you slip into sin, the first person that you'll need to deceive is yourself. You'll think to yourself, I- I'm all right. I can listen to the message and still check my email. First person you'll, you'll start to fool is yourself. The enemy knows that. If I, if I, the enemy realizes, if, if you can fool, if you can lie to yourself, you can fool yourself, after that, it's just an open door, see? I think the Pharisees got the place where, where they fooled themselves. And they thought, you know what? I'm, I'm, we're all right. I came to church, stood at the right time, sang, listened, filled out my note outline. And Jesus said, and the Lord says to Isaiah, and you tell them, their hearts were far away from me. I've, I've got to keep aware of that. I, I need to keep working on that. Finally, number three, and this is where we're going to shift gears and go to the uh, Hebrews 10 text. Corporate worship is what? It is a discipline. By the way, self-discipline is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. I need to discipline myself to make worship a part of my weekly habit. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Quickly, I'd like to suggest to you four principles that emerge from this. Number one, look in verse 24. It's talking about corporate worship. Corporate worship needs to cause me to think about, look at the verb consider. Consider how. Consider how, as when you come to church, watch this. Do I consider how I might, look at the verb. What's the verb? Spur. It's the whole idea. You know what spurs are? Spurs will motivate a horse to head in the right direction. Do I think about ways I can motivate other people that are in this church to do two things? Am I helping people to be more loving? And am I doing that by example? Am I being loving to them? Am I calling them by name? Am I greeting them? Am I shaking their hand, putting my arm? Or do I just say, you know what, I'm going to slip in and slip out, and you know what? Let us consider, let me, let's think about how do I spur other people on, not just to be loving, but what else? what's the second part of that first verse? How to do the right thing. Good deeds. You see, part of my responsibility when I come into this building is how can I set the example and help people to do the right thing. Look at verse 25. Let us not give up what? Meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let me tell you something. The Bible clearly says the minute you get out of the habit of going to church, you're going to establish a pattern. Do you know people, maybe a brother, maybe one of your kids, that they 
kind of didn't come for a week or two, and next thing it was sporadic, and next thing they don't even come on Easter and Christmas. It's habit forming. The Bible says it. He says you got to be very, very careful. That's why it takes self-discipline. If I'm not careful, I can, get, I can establish a wrong habit. I'm not going to church. And I tell you what, have you ever fallen into that trap? Guess where that trap's from? That's from the pit of hell. As some are in the habit of doing, verse 25, but let us, what's the next verb? Encourage one another. Are you an encourager? Encourage one another. Watch this. And all the more seems to me encouraging other people and all the more, the writer says, you need to establish this discipline so it becomes a pattern and a habit all the more. Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month. You see, as you look at this passage, I suddenly discover worship is more than me showing up, standing up, singing a song, shaking a few hands, putting on a name tag, and I go home. Worship is an issue of the heart that not only am I responsible to the Lord this way, but I've got a responsibility to people this way to help encourage them and spur them on to love and good works, to sing to them in, in songs and hymns and spiritual songs and because we're a multi-generational church. How many people know who Jack Parr is? Put your hands down. How many people have no idea who Jack Parr is? Look at that. Oh, Pastor Earl, you don't know. <laughs> Jack Parr. Those of you who know who Jack Parr is know what I'm going to say. Jack Parr was the host of The Tonight Show before Johnny Carson. Do you know who Johnny Carson is? <laughs> you may not know who Jack Parr is or Soupy Sales or Dizzy Dean. That's not important. The important thing is you know who Jesus is. See? And, and, and am I engaged in worship of Jesus and trying to get better from the heart, not just this way, but also this way? And I tell you what, I'm committed to helping you do that and to helping me do that better as a church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, it's just so easy to fall into this trap. Lord, forgive us for just going through the motions and the routine. And Lord, we've all done that. Help us to be self-aware self-disciplined and self-evaluating. Lord, I just pray that you'll help all of us to engage in private worship at home with you in our quiet time, corporate worship with our beloved friends and brothers and sisters in the family here at Beulah. May we continue to grow and get better Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need your help. So we're just simply asking, Lord, help us. And thank you for working in our lives. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. We'd like to bless one another before we're dismissed. If you'd please stand. Uh, if you're a guest, after I pronounce the blessing, if you would join us in saying and also to you in that way, we'll bless one another. May you have clean, clean hands and a pure heart. May you examine your heart as we gather to worship. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You're dismissed. Go with grace.